I've always wanted to just take a bite out of it like an apple. Do it. It doesn't really work that way, but go for it. <laughs> I, thought well, you're you're... An... I thought you were anti-Clementine. They're not my favorite, but I'm just trying to find a way to eat more shit. I love Clementines. There's a lot of, um, like, grapes. It's a lot of work, and, like, they don't really satisfy you. They taste good. Like, I, I like the they taste, taste of just like lemon. oranges? Yeah. I, I like the taste of these better than grapes, but, like, you have to eat three of them to fill any ounce of hunger. I still love how you keep I don't. I don't think that's red meat, a... is it? No, it's not red meat. <laughs> I love how you continue to say that grapes are a lot of work. How do you eat grapes, Jared? <laughs> We're at we're at dropping it from six feet above his face. We're at the beach over the summer, and the same conversation came up. I was like talking about like for breakfast, I'll have like a bunch of grapes and like other things too. And Jared's like, "It's not grapes aren't worth this. Just too much work. You know, you got to eat them." And he like just starts doing this. Like, dude, is how you eat fucking grapes? (laughs) Just throwing them at your mouth. The amount of effort to like take it off the thing the branch, put it in your mouth, chew it for zero satis, like zero, like satiation. That's the word I was looking for. (laughs) Like you would need to eat the entire branch, the entire vine of grapes. I'm not arguing that it doesn't fill you up. I'm just saying it's not a lot of work to prepare and eat grapes. And I only, I only eat something like that. If it either tastes really good or fills me up and it does neither checkbox for me. They're also kind of expensive, which is a little annoying. I've never bought them. I wouldn't know. It's like three bucks, four bucks a pound sometimes. Um, I was trying to find, uh, I'm just like getting all the sound put up and uh, I'm trying to fucking find the Trump concession speech and I fucking can't because he's fucking locked out of Twitter. It just yeah, like tells me the shame. fucking link is broken. I actually, I never saw it. Yeah, I think um, it was kind of hard to find. Well, and so we'll we'll get into it here. We got a special guest coming on on a little bit here, um, but I will I will try to dig through uh, the internet and see if I can find uh, the concession speech. But um, you know, I plug the rising a lot. Um, as I told you guys, I I made the move of posting on facebook which i kind of hate that i did but did anybody acknowledge it or have any idea what you were talking about no no <laughs> no but like, I've, I've thought about that like i wonder how many other people in the world it's even crossed their mind of what is like um independent media source on politics probably not that many people yeah i, I can guarantee no a single one of my facebook followers or facebook friends knows what the fuck the rising is and who Christopher are. <laughs> oh, no definitely chance. not. If I've ever mentioned so it I, I just come off as a total douchebag saying like, Ooh, yeah. If you do, if you don't want independent news, come here. But <laughs> I was just compelled to, I just, this will be the theme of today, but, um, like they get it right almost every single time. And if more people watch that, as opposed to Fox news or MSNBC, I think we'd be in. Yeah. The world would be spot. a better place. So Actually, I, I, good. Sorry. Right. Go ahead. Okay. I was going to okay. say, I uh, I tried Sager's podcast um, the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I, um, let me pull up the name the of it. The realignment. Yeah, the realignment. Uh, this week's was actually pretty good. He had um, that guy was a little out. Eric there. Weinstein on. He was very out there. 
and definitely I had, had a big following. ego. Um, but I liked yeah. a lot. Yeah, I, I liked a lot of what they had talked about, just about like maybe it's not your time yet, but like you guys are hopefully the future of media. Um, and I've said that a lot on this podcast. How I think eventually people will listen to people fighting the good fight, like Sagar and Crystal. Yeah. And um, who's who's Sagar's friend? Marshall. He looks like he's twelve. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, smart dude, and like, yeah. You know, I, I hate to play identity politics, but I enjoy hearing, like, I like that, you know, my news is, is coming from people who are diverse. Like, I, is Sagar, like, Indian? I think Indian, yeah. Okay, and, and Marshall looks to be an African-American. Crystal's a, you know, a Looks woman. to be. As the looks of an African-American. <laughs> well, you, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to mislabel but Who him, knows but... what he identifies as? That's true. 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 Point. I mean, we're, not, we're not going to make assumptions here. Um, but, you know, Crystal's a, a, a woman, and... You know, again, I, I, goddess. it shouldn't matter, but it's, I think it's even more awesome that <clears throat> like our independent journalists that we like are diverse. You don't want yeah. your old crusty white men giving you the news. You don't want your Tom Brokaw's and I want Brian Bill O'Reilly just for the entertainment factor. If I can hear him <laughs> off offline too, but you think he's got a Patreon Bill O'Reilly. Probably. I'm sure he's got tons of people dude he had a massive following like he, he was fox news yeah for years i'm sure people p- would pay for his patreon are you uh are you trying to get our guest on ty yeah but i uh i was it, while you do that i was gonna just wash my hands and get the orange juice off them quick so keep going what the fuck <laughs> they're all sticky uh those are the uh you know that's what you gotta deal with 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 the fruit department Sticky fingers. Hey, when when you guys are on hold, do you just have like silence? Like before you let us in? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just says like Tyler will let you in the meeting momentarily and then you let us in and we I don't hear anything. Okay. Um yeah, we're gonna we're gonna bring him on here in a second. But so what I was saying was I'm having trouble, you know, and again this will be the main theme of the show, having trouble finding the, the speech that Trump finally says the the actual right things concedes in and i can't find it on the internet was it definitely a video yeah i saw the press release i never was it like a few days ago yeah it was the day after yeah I after got he got video. banned from everything i got the video right here no i i i uh i found it but what my point was is that there are many avenues which you've also heard right there are so many avenues in which you know trump can speak and um you know i i did catch him on on one of those outlets Oh fuck! Fuck! Oh, I thought that was. I thought that was gonna. Producer struggling today. Oh, Not guys, on your A game. I'm responsible sort of for a lot over here. Right? Chill, chill. Maybe you should switch to behind the scenes. Me take a backseat role. <laughs> Jared, <laughs> remember when you Jared, told, told coup attempt? Remember when you told Adam after the first episode? Adam, we think you should be more the producer behind the scenes. <laughs> Adam was so upset. Oh, I mean, I'm still. I mean, I wouldn't mind producing. I just need to learn how to produce. I'm not opposed to it. You're giving up time in front of the mic. I can still yeah. be in front of the mic. I just won't. No, be. he was when he was busting your balls. He said you were only going to be the producer. Oh, well, that was before somewhere in the middle. So he didn't really have any power there. I'm not sure he has any power now. So I'm staying on. <laughs> I'm fighting. Our, our producer is impeached. Um. Yeah, so like I said, Trump Trump did find one of those outlets to uh, to reach. Whoa, uh, whoa, 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 Mr. President, 
First of all, let me apologize, sir. I was critical of you at the beginning of the show. You know I like you very much, but I was slight. Steve was very critical. I was slightly critical. Kirk, hmm? there's no need for an apology. We Thank all you, we all do sir. crazy things sometimes. I have to tell you, Kirk, have that you? Uh, yeah. I took on a new advisor recently, and she gave me some bad advice. Her name's Gina. Oh, is that right? Yeah, that, that was a mistake, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was not good, Kirk. No, it wasn't. It was impressive. not good. It's been a long couple of days, Kirk, but it's exciting. You know, we're mixing it up, uh, the world's ending, but it's very good, Kirk. It doing is. Yeah. Really, really, really good. Are you, sir? We're doing so good, Kirk. I've never been doing better. I have to tell you, Kirk, yeah. I, you know, I've had my troubles with blind Mike. We call him low talent Mike, but sure. he really helped me out yesterday. <laughs> couldn't get the doors open, so he just leaned on it, and they burst wide open. He got into the cabin. Is that what happened? Really I didn't even see him there. Wow. Wow. I didn't know that. Kirk, he's been getting into the hostess a little bit, if you know what I'm saying. He's been <laughs> oh, I, I noticed him. I noticed him the other day. Mike. It was not good. Mike. Not, not good. little Mike. But it's good. He's happy. He's good. Good. So <laughs> happy. Good. Kirk, mm-hmm. Kirk, I have a bone to pick with some people there, as sure. you know. Yeah. We call him Antifa Steve. Yeah. Antifa Stevie. Yeah, Stevie, yeah. Yeah. you've turned your back on your people. This is your moment. This is your moment. We stormed the Capitol, and where are you? You're on Twitter complaining. It's not good. It's not good. The Subaru's gotten to you, Stevie. I know. I just don't, I just don't, have, the, I don't have the fight in me. I was expecting Mike Pence to come in and give you another four years. Of- I said too much. That's true. That's true. Back to the script, sir. It's not good. Please, yes, go ahead. It's not good. Kirk, we're doing our best. It's I, late. I understand. No, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Steve, that was, that was Steve's But I'm very, very excited mm-hmm. to speak to Tiny Hands, Jared. He's got a little baby hand. <laughs> yeah, he does. Jared, how are you? We have that in common. Jared, yes. Jared I'm the president. Yes. That's kind of like the GM of a baseball team. <laughs> the One day you'll learn. It's really good. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I get, I get to it. make the trades and the players. It's it's really good. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff, Jared. But we like you a lot. You're great on the show. You Thank know, you. we're a big fan of yours. That's Thank nice. That's nice. Pretty embarrassing to get all the baseball questions wrong the other day, though, Jared. <laughs> it was. Not yeah. a good show. That wasn't a good so you've been, you, you've been watching Barstool Trivia, Mr. President, with all this going on right now? Well, I, I got done with Yellowstone season one. I need to be waiting up for every day. That's a fair, that's a fair, that's a fair point. Sir. I can't think of one thing. That's good. No, I can't right. think of one thing, Kirk, that you're yesterday right. around like three thirty, I no. could have done right. that was more important than watching Jeff Lowe screw up a trivia show with you and Steve being totally silent. We call him Silent Steve. Yes, Silent Steve. Not good. Not, Not good. good. Not good. <laughs> Oh, well, he broke his silence. Seems, that was hysterical. Seems pretty chipper. Are you surprised, Adam, that he's that, not that, more shaken up? You would think so. I mean, this, I mean, clearly, I would say, has he seen the news, but he can't get really, you know, on any news. Right. He's got to do something. At all. So he, he has to do something. And he's, I can't blame him for not being up to date on, you know, what's taking place tomorrow in the house and all the happenings over the next week or so. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll bring on our, uh, special guest here. Um, let's see if, uh, right. he's te- tech savvy enough to make this all work. Hello. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, special I can. Guests. Hey, special guest. What's going on? Awesome. <laughs> you're, right, uh, now- you gotta get your, your camera to work though. So we can see you. All right. Hang on. 
It's also Look at you guys with the headphones air. on. You can see us. Yeah. Oh, okay. You gotta, yeah, you gotta like turn on your camera or something. Your camera is probably off in here. Oh, I just assumed you're on the phone. <laughs> he's on both. Oh, he's on both. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't want another Steve fiasco where he's trying to talk through, you know, his computer oh, mic. Right. It sounds oh, like he's, God. you know, That's a thousand terrible. feet underground. Why? Listen, <laughs> my computer keeps. I'm, I'm gonna sound right. like we, a we really know what you, old, we know what you look like anyway. It's fine. <laughs> a really old man, but there's no surprises here. Give my password on my Apple computer, and I, I'm assuming it's asking for my iTunes um, password, but it doesn't work. It's all right. Shit. Um, we can hear you loud and clear. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, welcome to the show. Um, wanted to have you on uh, actually at your request, right? This isn't even something that I asked you for. That's correct, actually. Yeah, the last um, pod um, got me going a little bit. And I wanted to talk about some of the things you were talking about, including um, one of the things I guess you wanted to talk about, which continuing on the censorship issue. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. And I, uh, we were, I was just uh, joking around, so I just played uh, uh, the Donald Trump prank caller called into Kirk, and uh, so we just listened to that. But I wanted to... Uh, play his speech that he had released because this was, you know, happened since we uh, since we last recorded. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll play this here. I would like to begin by addressing the heinous attack on the United States Capitol. Like all Americans, I am outraged by the violence, lawlessness, and mayhem. I immediately deployed the National Guard and federal law enforcement to secure the building and expel the intruders. America is and must always be a nation of law and order. The demonstrators who infiltrated the Capitol have defiled the seat of American democracy. To those who engaged in the acts of violence and destruction, you do not represent our country. And to those who broke the law, you will pay. We have just been through an intense election and emotions are high, but now tempers must be cooled and calm restored. We must get on with the business of America. My campaign vigorously pursued every legal avenue to contest the election results. My only goal was to ensure the integrity of the vote. In so doing, I was fighting to defend American democracy. I continue to strongly believe that we must reform our election laws to verify the identity and eligibility of all voters and to ensure faith and confidence in all future elections. Now Congress has certified the results. A new administration will be inaugurated on January 20th. My focus now turns to ensuring a smooth, orderly, and seamless transition of power. This moment. So he goes on for another minute, but I think we got the point. Um, probably what, two months too late on that one. <laughs> yeah, um, you can say a that. Bit. So yeah, I just wanted to uh, throw that up there because I know I know I promised it. So uh, before I wanted to get into the, any of the Trump stuff, um, censorship, you know, all that good stuff. Um, why don't you tell us uh, what you thought of last episode and maybe some of the critiques you have for us? Well, you know, um, 
there were two episodes by there was like a bonus episode in the middle there so i was actually yeah, yeah, the emergency pod yeah the emergency pod um it was good it was on you know it was stuff that happened right away so it was good that you guys were talking about it immediately but more stuff has happened since then as you are well aware um such as that speech um which was a little little too little too late um you know, I think one of the things that I thought about from the emergency pod was there were, there were a lot more regular people than I think anybody really thought. Like I've been reading about some um, upper higher end employees getting booted from their jobs um, because they were shown, you know, they were seen on you know certain videos, their own videos, probably. You know, I thought that was interesting. I didn't expect that. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't expect that because you'd assume everybody who was there has been buying this conspiracy theory for the last two to three months, right? Oh, well, that's what makes have. it scary. Smart people <laughs> are dumbing down for this guy. I don't know what the power is that this guy has over people. It's crazy. Yeah. I, th I think so much of it comes from it. It's, it's been talked about quite a bit this week of like, I think a lot of what we saw over the last week, Donald Trump was the, um, the ignition or the, the match that lit this and kind of kept it burning. But so many things of, I think politics and DC failing middle-class Americans. There he is. There's the video. Um, <laughs> So many things over, you could say the last 20 plus years of failing middle-class America and politics is not relating to them at all. Got us Donald Trump and I think got us in this situation. So I, I think you may have a good percentage of America who's really just that, what they would consider anti-establishment. And for some reason is buying this guy's BS. It's, it's just odd to me, you know, when I look at people who I, you know, I don't, I don't think badly of them. I just, I'm shocked. That's all. You know what I mean? Um, when you hear over and over again, the people debunking the same argument over and over and over again, I just don't get it. And, and you know what? We just saw thousands of people don't want to get it. So where we are. What, what I've thought about a couple of times is, so uh, did you, any of you guys see the 60 minutes um, or any of the clips from the 60 minutes with Nancy Pelosi this Sunday? Yeah. Yep. So, so one, yeah. one, of the, one of the segments they showed was a room directly off from her office where her staffers worked and they had to barricade themselves in, shut off all the lights and lay under the table silently for hours. And they actually had audio recordings of them hearing these, um, whatever you want to call them, rioters banging on the door trying to get into that room what would have actually happened if these people got their hands on anybody that was in the capitol but like i think one minor change like that could have totally changed this narrative and made it so much worse well and we already saw that you know that at the hands of these people like a security member a police officer died because of injuries. So, I mean, we saw some of what could have happened. It could have been a hell of a lot worse. Um, and obviously someone got shot. Uh, several other people died, you know, from medical issues, some not exactly related to what was going on, but I'm sure it was stress induced heart attack. I don't know exactly what, but yeah, I mean, obviously one death is too many. I think it was five total people 
past. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you wonder, and, and it's funny cause we saw these videos and, um, I think, uh, Ty, you may have shared in our text group and, and it, it kind of made me laugh cause you see all these people outside of the Capitol before getting in saying, you know, we got to do this, we got to take it back and they get in and they go to these same people that were, you know, jazzing up the crowd and, and rallying the response and they, all right, what do we do? And they're like, I don't know. And they were just like almost flabbergasted that they were yeah. even in the rotunda at all. Um, so yeah, I mean, with, with people who are just kind of going off the cuff like that, it's fair to wonder if, if they were able to penetrate some of these rooms that were barred, you know, with chairs and stuff. And we, we all saw the picture of the Senate chamber, the house of reps chamber where, Secret Service or whoever security were literally pointing guns at people, and they had the door barricaded. Yeah, they had the door barricaded, yeah. trying to break through. I mean, God knows. I mean, easily there would have been many more deaths, and and it's it's pretty scary to wonder. It's still st- it's still so surreal. Um, just you know, just under a week after this happened, like it's still hard to fathom that this even took place. But, um, yeah, I agree. It's it's scary to wonder what could have happened to some of those secretary, you know, you know, assistants and all that stuff that were barred in those rooms. Jared, I think the answer to the question probably is it depends on who was banging on the door. If it was just the folks that kind of got in and were surprised they're in and they're just kind of going along with the crowd. Yeah. Or is it one of the guys walking around with the uh, hand shot, you know, the plastic the ties. hand ties. Yeah. Right. Right. If that guy, if it's that guy, you know, somebody might get hurt if it's the yeah. other people. Well, they were probably going to be okay, but I can't imagine what they felt like. I, I, I couldn't imagine, right? And if they did barge through that door and you're looking at these people face to face, even if they are the people pretending or whatever you want to call it, the people who are just there to be there, who knows what could, what could happen in the moment, right? Yeah, momentum. Yep. Momentum was on their side. Unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so pretty, pretty crazy day. Um, and I, I think we're going to get into it a lot more here. But um, if, if we go down that rabbit hole, we're never going to get out of it. So <laughs> you had uh, let's let's talk about Fauci. You had some critical comments for your boy. Well, I wanted you guys to leave two people alone. <laughs> leave 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 Grandpa Fauci alone, <laughs> and leave my boy Pete alone, Mayor Pete alone. Oh come oh, on. No. <laughs> he's my man all right well, let's start he's with the Fauci. man let's start with the fauci stuff what do you think about that uh, here's what i think about fauci i think that um I'll, I'll, an overarching statement would be if we can't trust fauci then we can trust no one um having said that though i i do wish that he would simply say what he means rather than Saying, coming back and saying, well, I just felt at the time, blah, blah, blah. Right. De- de- deciding um, what he thinks we should hear. Yeah. I'll, I'll give him this, though. At least he has the balls to come out and say it and not lie about it afterwards. Sure. You know what I mean? Um, anybody else in the administration would just make up a lie. Yeah. Um, he's not a politician. What... He definitely doesn't act like a politician in that sense. Yeah. He's right? no allegiance to any. But... Yeah. He still lies like yeah, one. Yeah. So well, I don't think he's lying. I think I, I what about know what, the, what about the masks? We're, we're talking semantics. We're talking semantics. With the masks, um, he lied. He lying. I, I can't argue with you. I think that um, I, I still don't understand why he, even his explanation doesn't make great sense to me, to be honest with you. 
about how he doesn't think we were ready to hear that. I, I don't know what that means. Well, he said he was um, protecting so wish... a run on masks because he was concerned or there were concerns that would there wouldn't be enough availability for uh, health care workers. Well, I think that's probably legitimate. Um, but also, you know, um, the, the virus is new. They've been learning along. They, as things change, as they learn more, they, they change their attitude. Obviously, they change their tune on masks. I think for more than that, just that reason alone. Um, but I just don't think that um, there's anybody else that you can look to that you can count on who knows what they're talking about. Albeit, he doesn't. He hasn't been giving us some information that I wish we'd just give to us. Stop babying us. Yeah. Just say it. You know what I mean? But, but doesn't that make that it really easy not to trust him? No, it's not about not trusting him. It's just stop babying us. I, it's not about trust. If we don't trust him, we're in freaking deep trouble. Well, my point is he's setting himself up not to be trusted by whether you want to give him credit for it or not, admitting that he lied. Yeah. No, you, well, again, I, I think lie's a stronger word. Um, lying implies, you know, intent, malintent. Um, so if we're just, I know it's semantics, but, um, he gave us a white lie. Okay. If, yeah, sure. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, what's a, what's a, what's a it, white lie? It's like a lie they tell you for your own good, right? Yeah. And you know what? I wish I would rather not have it, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. As most well, people do. you think it costs but, lives in the beginning? Um, if we by masks work, masks? yeah. If masks work, and he knew they worked, and said we don't need them, so that everyone didn't go out and buy all of them. Well, I tell you what, I don't know the answer to that, obviously, but I would say that, and and I'm putting words in his mouth, which I have no business doing, but I think they probably would have thought that the people who were taking care of the influx of patients, we would have lost a lot more of them. And maybe he was making a choice, which yeah. maybe is not his to decide, but I don't know. Do you think hey. it's fair to us for, for us to compare what he said about masks to what Trump said about downplaying the virus? What Trump said about what? <laughs> Did it make the point clear? Yeah, I'm laughing because, no, there's two totally different things. And <laughs> Trump comes from the area of non-believing and saying, well, I can't get caught be wearing a mask where I think Fauci is trying truthfully public health, even though it doesn't go the way I think he should go all the time. So you don't think there was anything to Trump maybe thinking he was doing the right thing by trying not to set everyone into a panic? If you want no, to put I don't words in that. his mouth? I, I, I don't believe it because unfortunately the history of Trump, oh, and forget about what happened before this, the history of his COVID response has been uh, pathetic, uh, pretending it does, it's not really working. You know, it, it just no. I don't. I don't give him any credit for that. So, and it, I would say if if he were to say that to us because he doesn't want us to panic, and behind the scenes they're scrambling to get a plan together and execute this plan and say, okay, right. we now know more. Here's the reality, but here's how we're going to handle it. Maybe he did have people's best intentions at heart, but right. no, there was no plan coming together behind exactly. the scenes. Exactly. He was acting well, like it wasn't well, real. Well, I would, yeah, you're talking about Trump. Yeah, yeah. Trump, yep. Right, but I, I think the Fauci's and the Brooks and the other people who were hamstrung by, you know, the Trump, and not just Trump, but the people around him, 
um, were hamstrung about how far they can go and what they could say, which, you know, I think that definitely costs lives. Um, yeah. But it's, e- it's, it's easy to say that hard to quantify. I think in an ideal world, the scientists, Fauci, et cetera, they're just communicating data to the decision maker, right? Here's what's going on. Here's how I, the data says we should address it. And then you trust the decision maker to make the right decision based on that. I agree with you. I think the scientists can only do so much. I think, correct. If they only do as much as they're allowed to do. Yeah. Well, Fauci didn't say that no someone was telling him that he couldn't give us the actual data on herd immunity. No, you're right. But I, I just wonder how much um, uh, pressure on the back end, all those guys. He would um, say it. Doctor. Probably, probably. He he said a lot of things that, uh, quite frankly, we were a little surprised at. So um, that could have been all him, just making uh, a a poor decision to, you know, coddle us when it it didn't. I don't think that did anything for us, suggesting that only 50 percent and then slowly rising up to 80, 85. I don't understand how that was going to help anybody. And it actually hurts people more because, like we said, and like Jared said, he's the one informing the decision makers. The decision makers are reacting to his uh, information and making real life decisions to keep places locked down. Listen, you're, you're absolutely closed. right. You're absolutely right. And uh, to that, I would say uh, Grandpa Fauci is human, uh, not perfect. And I'm sure he'd do a lot of things differently um, if you're given the chance, including that. Yeah, I don't I don't remember in that article if he kind of said, like, maybe I shouldn't have done that or I don't remember. I don't ever think uh, Fauci ever had bad intentions. No, he seems like, no, a, perfe- he seems like a, a perfectly good guy and, and has all yeah. the right intentions. I, I think my biggest it's, it's challenge just he set himself up. Right. I mean, he, he set himself up to be questioned. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I think my, my biggest challenge is is. Even he is not at this point looking at COVID objectively beyond just the science of the disease. Like we we don't have anybody who can give us an honest opinion of here's what COVID was when it first came in. Here was the mortality rate. Here's what we've done to improve it. The mortality rate is much, much better now. And now we need to make some tough decisions of how do we weigh the balance of protecting lives of COVID with reopening our economy, because this is having a detrimental impact on millions of lives and small businesses. Nobody's yeah, let, let me that. take, let me take the opportunity to um, say a couple of quick things. And let me preface this by saying to the two of you being Jared and Adams, that I think you two are one of the nicest young men I've ever known, except for my son, obviously. Um, <laughs> so I'm yeah, going to give you guys a, a hard time. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to give you guys a hard time about two things. One, one thing that Jared said, and one thing that Adam said, and I'll, I'll take Addy first real quick. One of the things you said, we were talking about California, who's just imploding. And you made the unfortunate comment. And I know you don't mean this in your heart, but you talked about how, well, a lot of those people were going to die anyways. That's a brutal thing when your grandfather died or your aunt died or your brother died. Right. So that's a tough thing to articulate. In what context? Um, did you yeah, say like, that, can, can you give me the context? I mean, I, I, well, I we do remember talking about California and like the and the situation and how 
I, I think you're alluding to like how they've, they've pretty much done everything you could pot. They've, they went from zero to 100 and things really right. haven't gotten any right. better. Is, is, yeah. right, so, okay. So is yeah, that- during that conversation and, I, and I'll bring Jared's comment in at the same time. Um, and really the point I'm trying to make is about perspective. Um, so, so one of the things that Jared said was, you know, businesses are dying and, and he's, he's not wrong. Businesses are dying all over the place, especially where you are because of the concentration and the, the uh, lifeblood of, of a place like Boston is their restaurants. Yep. And it's, it's brutal to see that, but you know, every single one of those people who are losing their business would gladly give their business up if their brother didn't die from COVID. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying you, you're wrong for thinking that all I'm saying is that we have to keep our perspective and say, even though I only see COVID from one point of view, I should really try to think about how other people, where they put myself in their shoes. And, and I mean a whole bunch of different shoes, not just, you know, Tyler's or, or Adam's or mine or my father's or whatever. Um, because I think when you look at it from the person who, you know, some people lost their mom and dad in the same, at the same time, which mm. can you imagine how devastating that is? That and in awesome. the end, Brutal. yeah. And in the end, I guess what I'm saying, maybe this is my age speaking, the economy will recover. It can get a lot worse. The economy will still recover. People's financial lives will be really hit hard. And we're all very lucky, the four of us and our families. Let's face it, we are incredibly lucky. Yeah. Right. We not to, we've been only really inconvenienced for sure by COVID. Would you, would you agree with that? For sure, definitely. Right. It's um, a pain. It's a pain in the ass for us. But um, for the rest of these people who are losing loved ones, it, to them, they're like money, money. I want my loved one back. And that, that's the only thing I was, my point was to give you guys a hard time, about. just don't lose that perspective that other people um, are seeing the real side of COVID that we just don't, nobody close to us has died. We've just not been really touched by it in that way yet. And I hope we never do. Jared's come close. Hope we never do. Me? Yeah, we, we, have, we have to do a weekly. Uh, <laughs> Every time you get a cold, Jared. you're close to death. So. When it comes oh, to the please. immune system, Jared's a little, uh, a little lesser. I mean, Adam, um, oh yeah. About, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I obviously, you know, I, I don't remember phrasing it like they're going to die anyway. I mean, maybe I did. I honestly don't remember that. I, and when you say the economy is going to recover, you're absolutely right. We will eventually get through this. But there's a lot of people's livelihoods that are never going to recover from this. And I think that in certain parts of the country, they've at least been given a shot, especially now that we're seeing that with the science backing up how these cases are not being contracted from these restaurants and gyms and small stores right. and everything. They're being contracted from people being, and they're not even being contracted from schools. I mean, granted there aren't a lot of kids in the schools. There's really barely anyone in school right now. I can attest to that. So there really wouldn't be much of a breeding ground there anyway, but I guess more of what I was thinking was, I'm just thinking for thinking about, and, and we've talked about this on the pod, you know, these, mom and pop stores, like the, these multi-generation stores that are not going to recover from this. They, they, they will not recover. And places like California, 
places like Rhode Island, like, like we're not seeing, and again, it's not just the individual states because, you know, federalism, we have to think about the federal government who's not really, or hasn't really helped too much either, but they're not even given a shot. I mean, you have a place like Los Angeles that can easily sustain some outdoor dining of some kind. I'm not saying they should pack patios and stuff, but at least let these places give them a chance. And if they don't survive, then unfortunately that it is what it is. But I, I was more thinking, I was I was more thinking of how some of these people's livelihoods and these families are going to be destroyed for generations to come. And the yeah. real reason, the real point that Adam brought up is, yes, of course, someone would trade their business to save their loved one. But they would say to you, I can have my business and keep my loved one if the politicians knew how to handle this. What, what is, gave us, what is gave keeping us choice? Small, what does keeping small businesses closed have to do with someone dying? No, I'm on, I'm on board with you. I'm not for closing those businesses, I, I, not without science and not without direct financial support. So yeah. they're failing them. They're totally failing them. Yeah, that, that was my point is I, th- I think the two things that made me feel so strong. I think the words I used were that now this um, the cure has been worse than the disease itself. Right. They're the, right. Yeah. Is I think one, you're not giving these business choices because I think you could, with an actual plan or a, a real data science driven solution, you could have your cake and eat it too, of give people the choice and say, we're going to open businesses safely. We're going to like in Texas right now, um, in Austin, they're doing comedy shows at a comedy club where they test all 400 people with rapid tests when they get there at the cost of the comedy club. And then they're able to sit down with a mask, enjoy the comedy show. And if you don't, if you, obviously if you test positive, you can't go in. That's just an example of none of these states are trying to present solutions to these businesses. It's just, it's one or the other. It's, hey, either- oh, it's just a light switch. Yeah. yeah. And I think there, there's got to be some level of choice of people who are at risk at this point, know they're higher risk, and they should be able to make decisions to say, okay- I need to be safer and I'm not going to go to these restaurants, but that doesn't mean I want to see my laundromat or dry cleaners I've been going to for two generations closed because nobody can go there. Right. Or the barber shop or whatever it may be. Um, and no, nobody's trying to come up with a solution, which I think is my biggest frustration. Yeah. You know, you know what I don't understand is, you know, up North, like right now in, in Providence and Boston, there isn't any outdoor dining because it's too damn cold. Yeah. What? LA is not cold. No, no, not at all. <laughs> so why aren't they allowing outdoor dining? And that, that, if, if that's not causing the explosion, what, why is California exploding? It's crazy, at least right? California. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. They, they, they actually they tried to appeal it. Um, a couple of restaurant owners went on Joe Rogan and they tried to appeal it multiple times. Uh, the law to shut down outdoor dining and in the appeal court, they saw that they had zero science whatsoever to make this decision. It was just authoritarian. They made the decision and went with it, but it still hasn't been overturned. Yeah, I don't understand why the uh, a politician would choose that um, because it cannot possibly help him. If it's not saving lives, if he can show a direct correlation between the shutting it down and then lives being saved, I but guess you can. can make that argument. I know. That's what I'm saying. I don't understand. But they do it because of like you said, when we had this discussion, you said you got to do something. Right. And that's why they're doing it. They can check that box and like, hey, I did this. Like you could say at least they're doing something. Yeah, you're probably right. 
And it's Probably so right. much easier to do something like that than take the time to put together an actual solution. And just and act drastically. Yeah, what, uh, what, what else are they doing? In uh, California? They can't spend the time. Yeah, anybody, right? What, what, what are they doing besides trying to figure out how to save their economy while dealing with COVID? They should have plenty of time to do this. Gina's getting promotions. She's about to go uh, move to DC. Yeah. And another thing that Jared mentioned that like, so it's not only, so you have two different scenarios. You have, you have uh, governments that aren't giving these small businesses a chance. And then you have governments and States. Like I know I, like last time I, like we were up in in Boston with Jared, we, 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 uh, he brought up the fact that, you know, all of these restaurants were given like this criteria, like, Hey, you want to stay open, you got to do A, B, C, and D. Plexiglass, less tables, um, yeah, all 25% this 25% capacity. Yeah. Follow all these rules. And by what we're seeing, like, you know, with the exception of a few dumb business owners who choose not to follow those capacity rules and do any of that, they've done, ev- most of these businesses have done everything that they've asked, that, that the government has asked them to do in order to stay open spending money that they don't have on heaters and the plexiglass and all this stuff, making their own stuff by hand because they can't afford to buy their own and they still shut them down. So yeah, they, it's not- they spent all that money just to stay open and then, and, and followed the exact rules they were given. And then they were still told, sorry, we're shutting you down. And like, when you ask them why, when you ask the politicians, why they don't answer your calls, your emails. Yeah, that's, that's troubling. It's very troubling. And, and I guess that's more of what I was going for with, with my Los Angeles. So don't you think yeah. that changes, uh, your, changes your question then? Originally? With, you know, everybody just needs to think about, oh, what, would if it, what if it happened to them? Isn't what we laid out just make that a totally irrelevant question? No, it's certainly not irrelevant. Um, I, the question wasn't a pointed um, specific argument it was just in general terms think about the other side because those particular statements you taken out of context they sound terrible yeah but oh, because so, i know bad. you guys so bad <laughs> you don't know no, i'm not actually feel bad i just trying to tell you that taken alone out of context they could they could sound really rough and that's why i said i know you guys don't think that but it's it comes off that way again because we don't have anybody who's near us and we've lost yeah but that's my we, point we is even if we did we would have just said the same thing yeah i don't know i don't know if you would have we don't know that because we've mean, been very very reality I mean, still I, exists I, though i do agree uh, with with angle chat I, I i i can't say for certain that i'd be saying the things i am now but at the same time like i i am in the advantageous position to say those things and i do i do after thinking about it we've discussed it on here it makes rational sense to me, but I, I get what you're saying. If someone were to die, yeah, maybe obviously I would assume my, my thought process might at least tweak a little bit. Um, but still, I, I just feel that, you know, you, they got to give these places a chance. And I feel like some states have gradually worked their way up to a point where things are like shutting down and not have not done what Los Angeles did and other parts of California and just shut everything down right away without seeing and, and seeing if maybe we can get back to some kind of normalcy by making, you know, taking steps. If this doesn't work, okay, well then we'll, we'll, we'll jack it up from two to four and then four to six or whatever, instead of just going full tilt. Like it seemed, it seemed like a, not even just Los Angeles, but a lot of other cities have done or states have done. Uh, and listen, 
I'm picking on you. I'm picking on both you and uh, Jay on those two items. So it, it, I'm not suggesting that um, Don't walk it you're back. dismissive of it. <laughs> uh, no, beep, beep, beep. I'm walking back. Uh, I just think that, um, I think as most of the things on this podcast, we all agree. They got to do a better job. They got to figure it out. And it's, we're running out of time. So what's your problem with Mayor Pete? I love Mayor, Mayor Pete. Pete. Yeah. So how, how long has his love for Mayor Pete been going on? Since the beginning. Since he won the Since Iowa the caucus. So what, what, what Since issues? Before... He won the Iowa caucus. <laughs> so what, what issues do you have with what Jared and Adam said? Well, just again, in general terms, um, you know, you referred to as not having any substance. And I think he's, his, he's made his views pretty clear. Um, I don't know. Did you guys say you watched the debates or not? Yeah, I watched most of the primary debates. Yeah, that, okay. that's, and, that's where I first met the guy. I've never, I've never even heard of him. Until oh, you met day. him? I met him <laughs> on TV. <face-to-face>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also, um, a, a good friend of mine, um, uh, the gentleman named Ken McGonigal, who's been into politics in the city of Cranston in the state of Rhode Island for, for a lot of years, actually worked for him. Now, um, I'm going to say up in New Hampshire. I don't recall exactly where, but he, he was able to meet him and uh, work for him. To, uh, what do you call it? Caucusing, I guess, yeah. up in New Hampshire before sure. the yeah. New Hampshire primary. Uh, and he got to spend some time with him, and he said he was one of the most authentic, uh, straightforward, um, seemingly reasonable men he's ever met in politics. Um, and when, you, when I take that description from a man I trust to the man I saw in the town halls and the, um, uh, the debates, the tone and tenor of his, uh, the way he carries himself, outshined every other person on that. Um, it, I would say maybe the, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Andrew Yang? Yeah, yeah, I, Yang. I didn't, I, I liked him. I don't know if you guys like him. I liked him too. I thought, because unfortunately, the, the four years of Trump has made demeanor important again. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I think there's, there's no Being doubt. presidential, you know. Yeah. yeah, Mayor Pete's yeah. very presidential, great orator. I, I would say even uh, maybe charismatic. Establishment. Um, but, 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 he's beautiful. Say, he's beautiful. He, he's a very handsome man. He's very handsome. <laughs> um, and, and quite frankly, he's braver than all of us put together, having been uh, a Navy intelligence officer. So he, he's seen the world. He's done things that we would have, wouldn't have the balls to do. You don't get so even you a little bit a of a slimy vibe from him when he talks. No, not at all. Not at all. No, not but what are your real problems with him, Jared? Because I know I, what I they just, are. I, I literally think, and, and this and this is a full conspiracy theory that I've I've built up in my head. I think they found this guy in Indiana. They got this list. It's like a, a fantasy football draft. All right, who are up and coming politicians? Guy in Indiana, gay checkbox, veteran checkbox. Here's what we're going to tell him to say, and we're going to put him in the presidential debates and have him run. And I think he said exactly what the pres- the Democratic establishment wanted him to say. And I think if they would have told him to say something else, he would have said that. I, I just never got the feeling that he stood for anything that wasn't you know, somebody puppeteering him. I, I don't have any specific examples. Like I don't know. Well, you, hate, you just hate that he's not... You know, I, I, you're kind of from the crystal ball ends where, 
you know, if, if I'm, I'm very much a, a populist. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big believer in, I want my politicians to be public st- servants for their constituents. And, and I think if mayor Pete was elected, he would be running on the exact same things and similar. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? What do you call platform? Uh, no, not a platform. What do you call when a president, when they're the president, like what they're doing? What they're doing? I don't. I don't know the word I'm looking for. But <laughs> I don't think it's an actual term. I don't know. Action, his, political um, action, executive action. I don't pl- know. Platform might be the right word. Platform, yeah, platform is the word. Yeah, the platform his, is what his you run. Platform on. and his his time as presidency would be exactly like Barack Obama's. And I like Barack Obama for the most part, where it's tons of promises, change, hope, all these things. And if you look at what they actually do, they're corporatist. Bailout Wall Street, bought Elitist. by bought by military industrial complex, healthcare industry, Wall Street, and, and elitists. There you and go. I'm just so ready for something that's not <laughs> bought DC. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope you're wrong. And I hope that um, with his continued exposure as our um, cabinet member, well, uh, tra- transportation, if I'm correct. Yep. Um, I hope that we see more of him. He becomes more of. Uh, you know, visible in the in the overall scheme of things, and that he has an opportunity maybe later on to prove you wrong. And I don't know if he will or not, but um, well, I'm sure he'll I'm sure he'll be in those primaries come 2024. I'm sure well, he'll be back in the race. Yeah, but that well, that's Joe why won't. is because there's so many. <laughs> no, people, well, Joe won't. Joe won't. There's but. so many people that Democrat or Republican will vote establishment. That's what drives Jared up the wall. It's yeah, true. and also. You know, when you mentioned about he's kind of like Obama, that's because of Democrats and Democrats always say the same damn things. Yep. And they uh, never do what they say. Not, they say this and yeah, they come and, excuses on why they can't do it. Yeah. I think yeah. I think we, we came so, up with I think Jared coined is like Republicans will just say like, fuck you to your face. Whereas if Democrats will say it like as nicely as they possibly can, like they're not going to they're, they're going to they're going to put some sprinkles on it, some frost and make it look all good. And then talk and, shit and, when they leave the yeah, room. So, yeah. All right, so can't argue with that. Big, but big, I am a big, I am a big Andrew Yang fan. I got my eyes on him. He's running for mayor of New York, and New York Times has already started slandering him. So that means they're scared. <laughs> he must be doing something right. <laughs> yep. Um. So big, big tech censorship. So um, I think that's really the main topic tonight. Um. So since we recorded last, um. Trump was banned on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, TikTok, Spotify. uh, Can't listen to music. Literally got banned (laughs) off of the internet. Um, Have you banned him from the pod yet? No, he's still welcome on. I don't think we've come. We haven't haven't made it official, but uh, we're, we're still leaving the door open. He's running out of outlets, guys, so we may have a chance. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I kind of wanted to get uh, your thoughts on this first, uh, Dad, uh, just because I don't know, you may have a different opinion than, than us. But um, I first wanted to, to ask you, so I, I assume that you support him being taken off of these platforms, right? Yes, I do. Okay. Um, so... If I were to ask you, do you know exactly what he tweeted that even got him removed in the first place? Um, 
Probably not. It could be the video of him. Um, you know, we love you. You're special. Um, I, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. That video was so absurd. <laughs> yeah. And so I, uh, you know, I wasn't sure either. And I think that's part of the, the problem uh, the last few days is the lack of uh, transparency. Um, but I will, uh, I'll read you. We have um, the press release. Uh, let's see. This is a uh, quote. The 75,000 great American patriots who voted for me, uh, America first and make America great again. Uh, we will have a giant voice long into the future. They will not be disrespected or treated unfairly in any way, shape, or form. Uh, shortly thereafter, uh, the president tweeted that quote uh, to all of those who have asked, I will not be going to the inauguration on January 20th. In case anyone was wondering. Yeah. And so um, they, Twitter writes, due to the ongoing tensions in the United States and uptick in the global conversation regarding uh, in regards to the people who violently stormed the Capitol on January 6th, these two tweets must be read in the context of broader events in the country. Um, let's see, after assessing the language, uh, we have deemed that these tweets are in violation of the glorification of violence policy, uh, and uh, he is uh, banned. Um, so you just want to kind of give us your, your thoughts then? You said, you did, you know, is that just your general feeling? You just don't care that he's, he's banned or don't care about the... Well, well, the answer is no, I don't care. But I do. I am aware of those two tweets only because I saw them on the news. Um, I, I tell you the truth. At first, I didn't understand what, what him not being at the inauguration had anything to do with anything, to be quite honest. Um, but I think that although they're referencing those two tweets, I, I'm thinking they're taking the entirety of the last two to three months and um, considering with all the um, the lies about the stolen election, all that kind of stuff, and how that clearly has um, driven people to do what they did, that if he, he continues to say things like we won't be disrespected or we won't be no matter what. And then, he's, and then I started to think that, and this is just me, I haven't heard this from anybody, him saying that he's not the, going to be at the inauguration, is he... Is that the dog whistle to say, go do what you need to do because I won't be here, you won't hurt me? Or am I reading into that? I think that's CNN talking. <laughs> no, I haven't even heard I, I haven't heard of it anywhere. That's just because I never understood what that particular tweet, how that was de detrimental yeah, to Yeah, how that was or, the trigger. Or, or, I'm, kind, I'm kind of with you there. Yeah, that definitely, I mean, yes, it would be very, it would be quite historical for him not to go because only I, like a couple of yeah incumbents have never gone to the inauguration but other than that i mean it didn't strike me as inciting anything well i, I think that's kind of the root of this or at least in my opinion the root of this problem is it's it's all just inference even with everything this guy said leading up to uh the actual storming of the capitol all is looked at as an inference right there was nothing there was no direct tweet that he called for uh breaking windows or storming the Capitol or, or anything like that. It was all very similar to that tweet we just heard, right? Agreed, agreed. But I think that the, um, the constant pushing of the lie, the, in quotes, the lie, um, nonstop, not just by Trump, by the way. I think there's a lot of other people who are culpable. 
yeah. at, you know, at different levels. Trumpy has the fucking most, obviously, because he's he's got the most power of his voice. But you've got the next level of the Rudy Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani's, mm-hmm. the, the other guy, that Mo senator who talked about taking in kicking ass. That was pretty done. Don Jr. up there. You know, they don't come out and say, oh, actually, Rudy said um, combat. I can't remember yeah. exactly what he said. Yeah. But, yeah. Trial by combat. Trial by Game combat. I mean, <laughs> right. They're not, they're not foolish enough to come out and say, go break into the Capitol. But you have to know your constituency. And if they didn't realize that some of these people were freaking whacked. Um, oh, and, and, and truthfully, guys, they honestly probably didn't think that would happen. I, I truly believe yeah. they didn't think that no. would happen. But that doesn't take away the responsibility of what they incited, you know, and it goes right down to Hawley and Cruz and, and those other guys who, yeah, I mean, they're the, not the directly dies. culpable. Like, right. It's just like, Holy crap. And Jim Johnson still to this day, today, still pushing what a the loser. line. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's an embarrassment, but um, so getting you, you back guys... to the point. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, getting, getting back to the point is I think they sort of decided that the, those two tweets, for some reason, again, the second one I'm not sure about, they took it as a totality saying that he's using this. And it's even if he's not intending to, it's rallying these people to go nuts. And they've chosen to stop it. And because they're a private company, they're not bound by the First Amendment. So they can say, no, we're not showing that anymore. You know, so I think it's a good move for the sake of America. Facebook also bans uh, the words stop the steal. Uh, and YouTube bans people from questioning the election. Do you feel the same way about yeah, there's that? Another, um, there's, a, there's a company who owns a number of talk radio stations across the country, and they've banned their hosts from this election fraud talk. They said, from now on, you are not entertaining the idea that the election was stolen. Um, How do you feel about something bristle. like that happening? I got no problem with it. Because, again, they're private companies. They can True. say, Look, I know, but let's, uh, I, we understand that, right? And I think yeah. that's that, that that's like Twitter can do whatever Twitter saying, wants. Yes, yeah. everybody knows that they're private companies; they can do whatever they want. This is more talking about the principle. Should they do it? Uh, yeah, of, of what's happening. Yes, because of the violent nature of what's happening, the world isn't going to be missing anything if we eliminate that kind of nonsense, and people don't get hurt ultimately because of it. Now, it can't go any further than that to say, well, I don't like what you said about my mom. I don't like what you said about my wife. I don't like what you said about my business. Um, I think if they stick to this type of, you know, I mean, this is unheard of to have our capital um, attack. And it's all stemming from the big lie. Yeah. So the, stop um... the lying and they stop the craziness. Speaking of the First Amendment, so you guys are familiar with like the famous landmark case of freedom of speech of saying fire in a crowded movie theater, right? You didn't, yeah. you didn't anticipate or intend to have people stampede and trample over each other, leading to injury and death, but it happened. And I know this isn't a freedom of speech case, but you could almost use that same logic here. And even if he didn't specifically intend for them to storm the Capitol building and take Mike Pence and Congress hostage. Um, I think intended pretty much everything else that happened. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm certainly stuck in the middle because I agree with everything you said, Mr. Cloutier. Um, the, the one concern I have is part of me feels that big tech is doing this now 
because they are cozied up to the democratic establishment and uh, kind of woke politics to some degree. And what's to stop them from, if the tides turn in 10 years, from them to be doing the complete other side, right? And will their allegiance always be on the moral side of right versus wrong, or is it going to be based on whoever's interest they want to have at the current moment? That's what scares me. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to have to wait and see, because I guess this will last for a little while at least. I mean, yeah. who knows if he's going to get back on or not. Um, but, you know, that that's going to be the test, right? If they do it again, you know, the Hunter Biden thing was a test that I think I don't really care about it personally because I don't care about it, but I think they failed yeah. under that test. Um, I think they should have just let them say what they wanted to, because I think in the end, nobody gave a crap as much as the Democrat. I mean, sorry, the Republicans wanted to make that be this big deal. I don't think anybody gave a shit. I don't think the Republican, the, the most of the Republican world gave a shit either. Only the people who were really loud gave a shit, you know, but they failed in that situation, even though I don't care that they yeah. failed. Yeah. It ended up amounting to nothing in the end. Yeah. And yeah. even with the announcement that he was under investigation, it's for taxes. It's not at all. Well, it's for his what business dealings uh, in China, which was brought up. Uh, as far as I know, it was only about his taxes. No, we yeah, it's it's about more than that. Um, All right, but I think that's the point is that you know what where does this where does this end? Like you know, are are we comfortable with um, you know these people having this much power? And if you look um, to Jared's point, they are not ninety nine percent aligned. They aren't a hundred percent aligned with. Uh, you know, what would be left-wing politics, democratic politics. Um, yeah, can't, can't deny that. 2.7 million, this is just of staff, 2.7 million in donations went to Democrats, 200,000 went to Republicans. Like yes. literally 99% of political donations that come from those companies go to one side of the, the political spectrum. Yeah, and normally that's not a big deal. You, you look at a lot of different companies out there and they're slanted one with the other. The problem is, it's Twitter or it's Facebook, which is much to my displeasure, an ingrained part of our society and our discourse. Yeah. That's the problem with it. You, you could argue they've got more reach and influence, big tech in these examples, than any company has in the history of the world. With, without regulation. 100%. Without regulation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, Facebook has. Um, what is it? Let's see. I have the numbers here. Uh, just the, the sheer number. It's, it's got to be uh, billions of mm, members. Billions. Yeah, 340 million uh, active Twitter users a day. Uh, 2.7 billion Facebook users. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, so, and, and, and think, they had the FCC regulating radio and TV when it was one TV in every household with three channels and TV on four hours a day. And there was an FCC. Why do we not have something similar for big tech. I don't know. Don't you think I that's a problem? It, I do think it's a problem. It's, yeah. 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 It might be too big for them to try to get their hand around, head around. Especially you know? with 80 year olds in Congress <laughs> who have never <laughs> logged into these apps. There's no doubt about that. In fact, you know, my dad and I were discussing the. Sorry, about, on your um, Oops. Oops. Hello. Go ahead. About the fact that um, 
you know, all these octogenarians are running Congress. And I said to him, you know, the younger people need to get involved. But it seems like when we see them on TV and they do get elected, they're either so far to the left or so far to the right that that's not the young people we want in there. Yeah. You know, even and you guys said it, Hawley was on a roll. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, he was scoring major and points just, with somewhere in the middle. And he did a face plant is what he did. <laughs> um, and it's unfortunate because I liked him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but that was that was brutal. Yeah. He, both at the same time praising what he was saying after the attack and then watching him just step in shit right next to it right after that. It was so nice to see like some bipartisan support for something that was actually going to help the, the, the citizens of this country. And so yeah. do you care then? Does that make change your stance at all that, you know, the, the enforcement seems to be political in nature and that there's kind of a double standard? Um, it doesn't change my viewpoint because I don't give a shit about Trump. So <laughs> having said that, um, I'm just being honest with you. Um, we have to wait and see. And if they stick to things like let's keep people from inciting violence, if they stick to that stuff and they avoid the Hunter Biden nonsense type of stuff. I think we'll all be okay. We'll all survive it. Well, what do you think about there are other, you know, dictators, um, you know, and, and some pretty terrible people on Twitter. Uh, and I think people's issue is Twitter doesn't seem to care about that. And we can seem to care about this. I'm looking at a tweet from, uh, is it the prime minister of Iran? It's the leader of Iran. Um, our stance against Israel is the same stance we've had. Uh, we have always taken Israel as a, uh, malignant cancerous tumor in the West Asian region that has to be removed <laughs> and eradicated. It is possible and it will happen. Uh, yes, that's that's clearly a double standard. They should say to Iran, get your own Twitter. <laughs> and, right? Um, do, do it yourself. You're not allowed on the platform. Do it yourself. But, and, and Ty, you got to remember, they let Trump say very similar things until he was about to be out of office. Up until now. he, he said, Remember his tweets of... We're going to, um, North Korea, I dare you to hit the button because we'll hit the nuclear button and you'll be blown to smithereens. Or obviously, yeah. that's like summarized, but wasn't that much more like dangerous that. than the lies about the election? Yeah, but yeah, I, but I, you he, know what? That's Trump being Trump, and that's what's led to this craziness that we're going through right now. People just said, ah, it's just Trump being Trump. He says those things, and now we're reaping the rewards in quotes of allowing him to just say whatever the fuck he wants. Well, like, do you think anybody cared about uh, when Nancy Pelosi tweeted that the election was hijacked in 2016 and there was no question about it? Well, I don't remember seeing that because, again, I'm not on Twitter. Um, but it was it was dismissed pretty summarily otherwise, because otherwise, why didn't we hear more about it? I, I mean, know, a, so a that's the thing, though, is few... like, what are, what are, are we just going to enforce the rules based on, you know, what, other people, re how other people react to what you tweet? No, but I think if, yes, because I think if she incited a riot, I think they would have shut her down. At least I'd like to think so. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I just think it's setting an extremely bad precedent for the future with that. I mean, I, I, I agree with you, Uncle Chuck. Like, I don't, I don't think any of us want like Trump just spewing nonsense left and right. But at what point are, 
are these big social media corporations that are clearly one-sided? What, at what point are they going to hold their favorite side accountable for something? And again, I'm not saying anyone's come close to inciting, you know, the storming of the Capitol, but odds are something's going to happen again because that's yeah. how history works. Yeah. And you wonder, yeah. and are they going to hold up their end of the, of this precedent that they've set? Right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And they, they've, they've clearly set a precedent um, that they've deemed him inciting violence. So we'll see what happens, you know, and his yeah. voice is louder than most. So that's, that's obviously True. the other reason. Yeah. yeah. A lot of influence as much as we hate to admit it. it yeah. What I keep coming back to is, so say this impeachment does happen and he has access to Twitter. Do you guys really trust this guy as he's getting pushed out of office against his will to not do the exact same thing, but worse again, considering he's showing zero remorse at all and zero accountability for what happened last week. I wouldn't trust him. No, I, that's why I think it's a good thing. At least even if it's only temporary. Yeah. Keep, keep him from creating the environment where that can happen again. Yeah. He, he literally showed no remorse at all in like his five minutes with the press today saying it was the Democrats fall and like just a bunch of nonsense. Oh, I, I didn't even see it, unfortunately. So Yeah. Well, do you think we need to step in and do something about it? Do you think that this is a potential threat to uh, not democracy in a way, but I guess free speech in a way that uh, Twitter and Facebook especially have become the public square? You know, the big picture, big, big picture you're talking here. Um, I'm still going to say no. Um because I, I don't envision another person of Trump's influence doing what he did. So I see this as a one-off, but who, who knows? He may be completely right, Ty. It may be the start of picking and choosing. And that's probably not good overall. Again, get rid of Twitter altogether. We don't have to worry about it. Well, I mean, that, that's I, what I was about to say. It's just not going to happen. I, I hope. I hope that if this does turn into Twitter's the new MSNBC, no offense to MSNBC watchers, um, that or Fox News, whatever, whatever way you want to look at it, maybe it's a wake up call for everybody. Your town hall shouldn't be your phone; it should be your community and real people. That would be refreshing. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, but it's not, and we, yeah, we got to do something about it because with this being the public square, I think it's not good at all that we have. Uh, like we said, partisan private companies deciding what Americans can and can't say on their platforms. And their platforms are so large and they have such a monopoly on the internet that there is no conceivable way that you can compete, right? And when you compete, like what, what do you think about Parler getting shut down? Parler I never is heard now of wiped... Parler before this week, so I don't, I don't really get what it is. It's now wiped off. It's a conservative uh, app that tries to compete with Twitter. And there was, you know, um, I'm sure uh, conversation going on through through that app, uh, as well as through Facebook and through Twitter about the storm in the Capitol, you know, before it, it happened. It's messy. That's for sure. It's certainly messy. I, I don't know. I, I guess we can only hope that it's, still only focused on the worry of increased violence, especially with the inauguration coming up. And then after that, I mean, what, don't we think we'd oh, be incredibly naive to believe that? 
No, I don't think so. No, no, I, no, I think that I, I, I'm going to go with believing what they're telling us right now, that they're simply doing this as a form of trying to stop the steamroller uh, that is clearly out there um, and appears to be moving towards more violence. Um, I, I'm just going to have to take them at their word that that's why they're doing it. I'm, I'm willing to take that leap with them. So even if that's the case, what happens in 200 years when there is a rebellion or a revolution that has ground and is rooted in truth compared to what we just saw? And there are threats of violence and are being silenced and erased from the public square. Well, what happens well, when the government what, gets too powerful and, and no one can talk about it? I'll tell you what, let's not go 200 years. Let's back up six days or whatever, how many days it was. And let's pretend for a moment that the Republicans actually, you know, I, I know. Right. What if there no was truth in those, uh, you know, f- uh, claims of election fraud and that, you know, what no, if there was... actually, no, I was, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to suggest okay. that even though there's no true mechanism for the overturning election, what if they actually, the Republicans were able to say, we're throwing out the votes, we're selecting electors, Donald Trump's the president? That's not what would I would happen. go down to. I, I'm just trying to give an example of okay. what would Twitter do. I'm going to I'm going to Washington myself to protest. Yeah. Right. If that happened. I would go down to Washington myself to protest. And I think that Twitter would be completely OK with that. Now. If it got violent, I don't know what they would do. They might allow for it because and they think I mean. they're on the right side of history. That, that, they're right, they're on the right side of history. But they're yeah, they're, well. they're bought out by politicians. They're they're in bed with politicians. Yeah. So how can you expect them to be unbiased? All right, use right your thing? example. They find out that there is actual election fraud. Yeah. They they still don't they're still not going to incite allow the inciting of the violence, but it's a good question, Ty. It, it's a legit that would be question. a massive. That would be that would turn into, you know, in an extreme example, everything that we fight against. Everything that we fight against in this country, that would yeah. that's what would happen, if the right scenario lines up, and the people in power, whoever they are, whatever side they're on, if they're in bed with a social media company like a Facebook and a Twitter, or all of them they have the power to completely squash people's ability to communicate about it. Yeah. Which means we've got to trust them. And that's pretty scary. And you long term. Yeah. No way. So, yeah. so did you, anybody know about what happened um, between uh, Israel and Palestine and Facebook? I'm not aware. No. So uh, obviously, you know, Israel and Palestine, right. have had, I mean, how long has that conflict been going on, Adam? Um, mid forties. How much time do you have? It's been, yeah. it's been... <laughs> mid forties, dude. We're talking. We're talking uh, crusades. I mean, it's it's fucking. Isn't that when Israel was founded? Mid forties. Well, it was founded in the mid forties, but the the community that occupies Israel, like that, the whole there's always been a lot of tension. So the Jewish people were always there. Not always there, but like there's always been a lot of t- religious tension. But you're right. Like okay. obviously, when Israel was was created after world war ii as a safe haven for jews it obviously went to a whole nother level who has more money and more power adam israel or palestine 
Israel. Correct. So what Israel did is they used Facebook to silence Palestinians from trying to incite violence because it was a threat to the Israeli government. So at the direction of the Israeli government, they are taking down people's profiles because the government is afraid of them or because the government wants to stop a movement that, that we can all agree is I'm sure justified, right? Or at least it, it, it's, it's certainly up in the air. It's not a, it's not a fucking insurrection because not of a slam dunk. False, false election yeah. you know, claims. That, that's a real life example of how fucked up this can get if we don't do something about it. Yeah. I think we would probably all agree we're uneasy with the current situation and, and where it can go. And I think some type of whether we call it regulation or whatever needs to be factored into the power that big tech has. Yeah. I, I think there, I would love for the government to step in and help provide some sort of unilateral moderation policy. That is enforced well, I'll tell transparency. you what. The fact that the Democrats now control the House and the Senate, if it comes from the Democrats, as opposed to from the Republicans who are just angry about it, um, it may be a better bill. Not because the Democrats are Republicans, but the Democrats coming at it from a different angle. Um, I think it needs to yeah. be because, bipartisan, independent, as independent as it can be. No, yeah, absolutely. But I'm saying that it should happen now while the Democrats are in charge. Um, I guess I'm saying that if they do it, it looks good for them because it's working against them, right? If they're, if they're, if the Twitter is the darling of the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party steps up and helps craft a bill that limits their ability to do that. That, that that's a that's a good American thing, right? They're is doing something that doesn't really help them. Yeah, I think it is. They're not going to necessarily be doing something that's just self-serving, right? And that's going to benefit them. They're hopefully doing something that will even the tables, so to say, yeah. um, but benefit all of us. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know if they're capable of doing that. So, yeah, that's, that's the scary part. And, and so I, I think I also have something I wanted to bring up is maybe the unintended consequence of silencing so and censorship. So... You know, we can all agree that, and we, I think someone even said it, that, like, Trump's been saying some pretty, like, nutjob stuff for a long time. Like, it's been, you know, I'm sure years, right, that, you know, he said questionable things on Twitter, stuff that a president and probably shouldn't pre, say. Pre, pre him being elected, yeah, so he was, yeah, Obamagate, yeah, he, it's mm-hmm. been going on for yeah. a long time. So, so here's my thing, right? And, and the, the, the vice president-elect has been calling for him to be banned from Twitter for over a year now. So is it feasible to imagine a world where Trump is banned in October of 2019? No one can hear from him. He's banned from the internet. It's it's the same as it is now. His only ability to communicate would be through like speeches that he would give. And even at the end of the day, we've seen networks uh, cable news networks choose not to air speeches of his. So 
could it be that if that had happened, we would not have seen Trump do all the fucking asinine shit he did, and you would have seen a different outcome in this election? Potentially. Is that a fair possibility? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you want? Um, <laughs> it's a good, it's a really good point, Ty. I got to be honest with you. Yeah, kind of pisses me off. But you're right. This is the thing. This is why the the only answer, in my opinion, and but I, I you know, ultimately, I do agree that the, that's why I said I, I, you know, I'd love for these uh, companies to be treated as public utility, um, you know, and for them to be moderated because I, again, I don't think you should be able to. I don't want to see hate speech on my on my Twitter feed, even though hate speech is a protected speech under the, under the First Amendment, right? I don't want to see hate yeah. speech on Twitter. Um, as but, long as it doesn't incite violence. that's the, the Supreme Court has held that up several times. Right, but in general, my general policy is the only way to fight bad speech or wrong speech is with right speech. You know, that's why, like, it was annoying, but I can almost, like, I, I understand it, and I think it's a better policy where you saw Twitter and Facebook pivot to uh, giving warning labels under videos or tweets that, you know, were either incendiary or incorrect and giving you the actual facts and sourcing it. Like, not just saying, like, hey, here's what Twitter says. It's, like, links to stories to say, this isn't true and here's why. We saw that in the run-up to the election. Because, again, if you if you start to censor, then there's going to be unintended consequences that then people are going to call for, for answers for. And it's like, where does this ever end? I would like to see Zuck and uh, who's the Twitter guy? Um, Jack, Jack Dorsey. Yeah, I, I would like to see them like do a 60 minutes or some type of longer form conversation where they have to answer to why they did what they did and answer some of these tough questions. Like They, they should have to be in the... Um, limelight a little bit for making these huge pivotal decisions right now. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time they've been in the limelight for decisions that they've made for their companies. I mean, the whole thing with the, with the advertising and them listening to conversations. And I mean, Zuckerberg's been in, in front of a, in front of a, a, a panel in, yeah. in, our, in our nation's capital several times because of things. So it certainly wouldn't be the first time that, you know, these, 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 um, you know, media giants, um, you know, would have to answer for things that they've done. So it should happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot on Twitter. I've seen a lot of crazy things, but you know, a lot of people on Twitter are, you know, calling for the first amendment to be reformed. You know, I sent you guys that article. Um, I don't think I sent it to you, Deb, but you know, I sent you an article where you have lawyers from, the top universities in our country calling for the first amendment to be revised in reaction to this. And a lot of people uh, comparing it and saying that the UK and Europe has a better uh, free speech policy. So Adam, do you know, just cause you're a history teacher, like, do you know how their first amendment, I guess, it, you know, would be different from ours? How, how whose First Amendment would be different than ours? Well, not their First Amendment because they don't have amendments and whatnot and, and they don't have like a constitution like ours. But, you know, free speech is protected in Europe, but there is a caveat. So, like, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, every, I mean, 
Europe's not like the United States, obviously, with certain things, but free speech is protected. I mean, each country is a little different. I mean, I know that I'm sure the EU has a certain, you know, consistency with their countries, but it's pretty similar to what yeah, we have. It's pretty similar, yeah. right? And yeah, what it, it what it does is it it's uh makes hate speech illegal. Right. Right. So the easy quick answer to hey, wouldn't that be great would be yeah, right? I mean, the path, of, the path of least resistance tells you, well, yeah, I mean, I don't like hate speech. So, yeah, like, yeah, nobody should be subjected make it to illegal. that. So, yeah. Right. And again, you know, in my opinion, kind of like the reaction to what happened at the Capitol from a perspective of calling it white supremacy is the reason why, you know, the uh, riot wasn't stopped. Right. It's like if you think a little harder and actually take a step back and like, look at it, you may see that, you know, either there are other reasons why, right. Other legitimate reasons why in that case, or in this case with their free speech policy, I'm looking at an article that in France, um, in 2015, their highest court upheld a criminal conviction for 12 pro Palestine activists for violating restrictions against hate speech. Their crime was wearing T-shirts that advocated a boycott of Israel. It said, long live Palestine, boycott Israel. Those shirts violated that law and prescribes imprisonment or a fine for up to $50,000 for parties that provoke discrimination, hatred, or violence toward a person or group of people uh, on grounds of their origin, uh, their belonging, or not their belonging to an ethnic group, nation, or race, or certain religion. Is that not fucking terrible? That's why France sucks. <laughs> well, so, and that's what I—that's that, my thing. Is I know you guys aren't saying it, and it comes off that way. I, I'm just reacting to what I'm seeing online. Is like how, like, why do, why can't people like sit back and think about things for more than ten seconds, and always take the path of least resistance? It just annoys yeah. me when it comes to solutions. You know, we talk. We it's 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 not just about this shit either. We just talked about it with COVID. And taking a path of least resistance approach to cover your ass. It's maddening. So, I mean, that, that's really, I'm trying to look and see if, um, oh, did you see uh, what your congressperson, Jared, said most recently? Which, uh, I, which I, I congressperson? My girl, some from Somerville. Um, no, I did not. Um, I don't have to tweet in front of me, but she showed a video of uh i can which i can i i i assume the video is like after the capitol riot when everyone had to get like ushered into a room together mm -hmm. and uh there were a bunch of um people in there not wearing masks so the video yeah. shows a woman coming around trying to hand some of these people the masks and they just kind of like shoo her away um you know, it's since come out that people have contracted coronavirus and they think yeah. you know, it came from that, right? She tweeted out. Now, she is an active congresswoman from the state of Massachusetts, tweeted out that these people are white supremacists that were in that room. <laughs> and there's some ladies well, out there. She's one of them. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll find the tweet just because I think it's important and relevant. But why would that be allowed on Twitter? Should that be allowed on Twitter? I don't think it should, but 
I, I'd rather it not. Do you think, I mean, isn't that just as incendiary and, you know, I don't, you, it, it's not as incendiary as what happened over the last week. Well, because there's of no the call reaction. There's, there's no call to action, you know? And she, she also she said, doesn't have... Hey, we're, we're, we're going to go all gather outside, you know, this establishment and we're going to fight or whatever the, the terms Donald well, Trump used. Well, you know, want to know what she did? Want to know what she did say over the summer? There should be unrest in the streets as long as there is unrest in our lives. Should that be on Twitter? Is that incendiary? Based on I, these I new think, rules. I don't think protesting is incendiary. It's the protest. That's my ultimate point. And I, I'm, I, you know, it, it sounds like I'm defending Trump here. I'm actually just defending the reaction is Trump never said anything close to go and, and like uh, storm the Capitol or get violent. Right. It was all just after the fact. It was like, OK, well, I guess if we look at everything, he certainly contributed to this, right? So, and, and it was all based on manipulation and lies, which doesn't help his case. Right, but it, there's nothing directly that you point to that says, "Oh, well, this is exactly where he called for violence," or you know, uh, yeah, yeah, more than certainly a protest. Not black and white. Yeah, and who's, that's why I think it's an debate. Yeah, who's the arbiter of whether that constitutes it? Or something else does not. Right. I don't know. Right. Yeah, and it comes uh, down to who's saying it, and clearly, anything that Trump has said, while is wild, a lot of the things he has said is technically protected. But for someone like uh, what's her fate? What, what was her name? Ty. Ayanna Presley. Yeah, which obviously, when we're talking about social media, clearly they support her side of the of the of this debate. Whereas Trump's always going to be on the losing side with them. So a lot of it depends on just who's saying it. And that's the, that's one of the parts I have a huge problem with is a big part of it is who is saying these things. And Trump's been not, not that Trump hasn't deserved to be, you know, the, the main target of, of this, but um, it certainly is a big reason why he's been targeted for a ban and, and right. everything. Like that. And like, you know, I'm not trying to argue whether she is right or wrong, um, but you know, she talks about race and white supremacy a lot. Right. And so it's not like just a one-off tweet, right? This is a consistent message. And this is her tweet. The second I realized that our quote safe room from violent white supremacist mob included treasonous white supremacist, anti-masker members of Congress who incited the mob in the first place, I exited. Yeah, I mean, she's certainly How, pretty out there. You could easily make the argument that that could incite violence. Could you not? We, yeah, we, we could play this game just all be, night. That's for that's sure. That's what I'm saying. Just because yeah. violence did happen doesn't mean that the, the speech is any more incendiary as something else. It's just, like we're just now judging like how idiotic people are. Adam, we should do a social experiment. Start tweeting things that are bordering on violent and see how long it takes for Twitter to shut down your account. Oh, I'll, uh, make a so, note. I'll make a different account for sure. And I'll, I'll give it a <laughs> shot. There, there's a, a person who we went to high school with that um, 
is like a, you know, you could label as a Trump apologist and said something uh, on there like, oh, you American, like everyone who like claims that they're like American, it's like so weak, stuff like that. The post got taken down. That's kind of crazy. So that's the, uh, what we would call the slippery slope. Ooh. We're, we're sliding. I was, I was hoping for that term to come out. So, um, what was the, what was the last thing I was going to fucking say? God damn it. There's one more thing. Um, is it about, uh, impeachment? Um, I think we're all going to agree there. Um, I don't know. Does anyone not agree that he should be impeached? No, I'm all for it. I I think it's, you know, they're literally, they're, they're attempting to, extract trump root and stem like just eliminate any possibility that he can come back into the into the political arena um i i totally support it i wasn't even sure honestly because this is all uncharted territory i wasn't even sure that you can impeach somebody who's not technically in office anymore but apparently I didn't know that either you can mold again that that's the beauty of the constitution a lot of it's very open-ended and they can just kind of twist the twist the the wording of certain articles to support what they're doing so I, I was I've been learning a lot about this whole process big time. And I, I'm for it. I think that my one hesitation is there's so much that I think Congress should be focusing on right now that America really needs. Yeah, and I true. don't I don't want to see, uh, you know, the first hundred days plus of Biden, the headlines be dominated by Trump's impeachment and kind of have that be a scapegoat of how they can get away without doing anything. Um, that that's my only fear about it, but I agree what he did, I think should be impeached. And I hope you, we do see some bipartisan support to do it. Which is looking like we're starting to start. Seems like to. we have plenty of bipartisan, bipartisan support right now. But they need si- 16, yeah. um, Republicans in the Senate. I think the number is. Yeah. Well, they, they would need 67 total. Well, it has to, it has to get to the Senate to begin with, but yeah, well, they'll, I mean, they'll do that. Yeah. yeah. So it needs 67%. So 67 would need to, he's got to pay some sort of price, even if ultimately it's only symbolic. Yeah. Um, it, it's got, he's got to pay the price, some sort of price for it. I don't, so if they can actually get it done and he, he gets convicted, that's even better as far as sending the message home. But the Republicans are going to falter, I think in the Senate and not let it happen. But, the fact alone that he's going to be the only president to be impeached twice is, yeah. is you know, that's going to drive, you know, Trumpy crazy. Did, did you guys see the headline today that um, Deutsche Bank said they're not going to do business with um, Trump Corporation anymore? Actually, that's a great point, Jared, because you know what? When the corporations start to step up. Yeah. Money and that's talks. where all of their money. Yeah. That's where all their money comes from. I think yep. that's and you know PGA taking away the PGA championship from one of his properties. Yeah. That's going to cost them millions. I, I think those are the kind of things that are really going to affect more change than us. You know, hooting and yeah, hollering who, about exactly, blah blah. You know, you know what's yeah. going wrong? You know what I mean? I, I think it'll be interesting. Is I mean, there there's a very real possibility if this impeachment goes through that Donald Trump loses everything from this presidency as of now deutsche bank's one of the only banks that will lend the trump company any money from all the bankruptcies and all of that and they've got all of that debt i think it's like 300 million dollars plus in debt um so like this could be messy five years down the road 10 years down the road he literally could lose everything all from this stop the steal 
Yep. Yep. And it'll be justified. Do you what? Do what, what chances do you give uh, CNN and MSNBC of, you know, actually moving on, or do you think we're going to see Trump on the news? That that's yeah. half the reason why I don't oh, want God. impeachment. They, they, they might devote they might devote an entire show or segment to Trump even after he's gone. I, I think oh, that John John Olive is out of business. Every right. every late night talk show. What, what what the hell are they going to talk about? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought this was a, a good clip from uh, Glenn Greenwald, who we talked about last time. Yeah, uh, who was on the Rising, uh, and this was actually back in October uh, when he was start when he was talking about you know how the media works and you know how it manipula- you know, manipulates you and and you know causes us as Americans to believe things that aren't necessarily true uh, when we look back after the fact. Historically, the way you consolidate your power is if you can put people in fear. You know, during the Cold War, you make everybody fear that the Russians and the communists are coming to take away your right to believe in God. And everybody says, you know, build up a huge nuclear arsenal and don't use the money for our schools and our communities. Use it for, you know, the greatest military in the world and spy on everybody and whatever you need to do to defeat this existential threat to do it. Obviously, after 9-11, that was the strategy of the Bush-Cheney administration. It's the way they consolidated a lot of power by elevating people's perceptions way beyond what it was real of the threat of Islamic terrorism to allow them to do essentially everything they did. The same exact thing is happening now, which is people in media have had their careers saved. I know cable hosts who are on the verge of being fired because nobody was fucking listening to their dumb shows. <laughs> Trump was a godsend to them because Trump enabled them to elevate everybody's fear level and say this man who's coming isn't just another president. He's a grave threat to everything that's good in our lives. And it's not just him, but his entire movement behind him, hundreds of tens of millions of people who are racist, who are hardcore white supremacist, white supremacy domestic terrorists. It caused MSNBC and the New York Times to explode with money. It caused the CIA and the FBI and tons of those neocon scumbags to rehabilitate their reputation and get back within the, the halls of power. Even if Trump loses the election, they're not going to just go back to now talking about Joe Biden because they know people are going to cancel their subscriptions and turn the TV channel again. They're going to continue to say not maybe Trump or at least his movement still pose this existential threat. You know, they're out there plotting to um, kill people and impose white supremacy. And it's not that it's not true. There's no it's not like there's not a kernel of truth to it. There are people doing that. But they're going to inflate it wildly so that. Any questioning of Joe Biden, even with Trump out of the picture, is still going to be depicted as, um, you know, endangering American liberty, as helping fascism, um, as serving the agenda of the Kremlin. And the need for censorship as a result is going to be accepted by more and more people because of that fear. Historically, what do you think about that? It sounds like he's probably right, unfortunately. It it is pretty cool when you think about, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, Uncle Chad, obviously you were the only one here that was even remotely in the Cold War era. So I I think it's interesting. I never really thought of it that way. When, When you think about some of these major historical events you want, and we read, you know, I read about it in the history books and, and textbooks that I use with, with teaching and you don't realize that, you know, you, you read the facts as, as they're written and you think, you know, as you think of, you know, the United States and the United States government always having like being on the side of good 
and they're always the one defeating the bad guy. Where in reality, what a guy is saying is like, you know, we played a big part in all of these things and all of it's kind of led up to how our government is structured now and how people think of the government and their trust level with it. So I, I thought that was, uh, I mean, I was trying to keep up with what he was saying. He was fucking going like, like a fire hose there, but it was, uh, so it's pretty, it's pretty why, enlightening. Why do we think anything is going to change if, you know, and, and Fox included, cause I, I think they might play into him, you know, continuing to be a political character. I would hope not, but um, CNN and MSNBC aren't going to let him go. They're going to continue to drive that narrative home, scare the base, which is a huge base. It's going to continue. Like, I mean, we, I, I just showed you that tweet. We're going to continue to hear about how the Republican party is uh, the party of white supremacy, which is going to continue to cause this incredible division. So it doesn't matter if it's Trump or not, and it's not going anywhere. Yeah, even, if Trump, even if Trump is gone, they'll, they'll, find, they'll find their next Trump. They'll find somebody. When seeing right. how successful this campaign has been for them. And again, a lot of this stuff, totally justified. But like you said, Trump's not going anywhere. But when he does eventually go somewhere, it's just going to be somebody else. Yeah, and like our, our whole point in the show is like, yeah, like there's a lot of things that Trump did that are really bad. And we talk about them and we fucking criticize them for. But then when there are things that, you know, we're told to react to that we're like, okay, well, that's, I don't really agree. I don't think that's that bad. You're told, well, you're a white supremacist then. You're and racist. That's kind of, that, that, that's kind of, I, I mean, you laugh, but that, I think that's the, the campaign message. You know, you see it in Georgia where they're able to whip up um, the African-American vote because it, it's just, Hey, vote blue or you're racist. I mean, Joe Biden said it. If you're not voting for me, you ain't black. <laughs> so they, they contribute every single day to this division. Um, you know, obviously not as much as Trump. Trump kind of took it to that next level, which is why we are where we are. But they contribute to that division uh, just as much, you know, or, or you know, on, on a large scale. You know, uh, there's so many people that have a hand in you know, why politics are so divided. And, you know, I think I was getting shit from Erica for it, but I really do think it, you know, it's a media driven thing. You know, Glenn well, it'll said, be interesting, it, yeah. interesting to see if four years from now, assuming all of your corporate sponsors are still funding the show. Um, <laughs> if we look back over the last four years, meaning 2024 and say, what, let's talk about those predictions or those worries. Did they come to fruition? Did it get worse? Was it better? Yep. It'll be interesting to see because guess what? We're all going to watch it happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Absolutely. I think silver lining in all of our middle upper class white privilege, it's really not going to have any impact on our day-to-day lives, which is good. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll survive. We'll survive. We'll survive. Exactly. Hey, yeah. hey, Ty, can I bring up a quick note I wanted to bring up with Adam? Sure. Um. Adam, regarding your um, students, are you back in school, by the way? Yeah, so we just went back yesterday. Um, we had been out uh, just before the since just before the uh, week of Thanksgiving. So we okay. are officially back in the hybrid model. You must be happy about like, at least being in class with the kids. Yeah, I mean, there's only like, I think of the, so like the, the kids are split up into two groups. There's a Tuesday, Thursday group and a Wednesday, Friday group. It's terms of, you know, who comes in the school and then the opposite kids are at home. 
of the 45 possible kids I could have seen today in front of me physically, I saw 10 at between four classes. So there are, when I say there's barely any kids in this, in the classroom, like there's a classroom that could fit 30 that I'm in. And I had two kids in there today. And I don't think I have, I think I might have one tomorrow in front of me and everybody else. I'm looking at a screen just like I am now. Well, you know what, Glenna and I were just chatting the other night about, about the atmosphere where it's tough to say anything to anybody these days. Um, what happens in when one of your kids say, Hey, Mr. C was the election stolen? What do you do? How do you answer that? So I, I think as a teacher and, and actually we, I think we, we discussed, we've discussed this several times when, you know, cause obviously, as you might imagine, the, the, the kids, that generation was a generation Z or whatever. Zoomers. They, Zoomers. Yeah. They're very, I mean, they're, they're all into, you know, the social justice, Black Lives Matter, all like that. That's that's their focus. So they tend, I mean, without them knowing, obviously, they tend to lean left. I I have not heard anybody, not once, since I've been, and I I I bring up current events almost daily with, with them. I, I I try to at least talk about it, even for even even just for a couple minutes. I've heard very rarely anyone bring up anything pro-Trump. But to to answer your question, if someone were to say, "Hey, Mr. Cludier, like, what about this? What about that?" I don't think it's my response. I mean. I think to an extent, it's not my responsibility to tell the kids how to think. I just, I feel like I, I need to set the table and just let them decide, you know, what they think. I think that's more of my responsibility. Yep. But at the same time, if they're throwing things out there, I mean, I, I try not to give my opinion, but I do give my opinion sometimes. I do, I do preface it with, this is just the way I think. So if someone were to bring that up, I would preface it nicely, like, this is just the way I think, but you know, 60 something court cases have gone or, or, or have been uh, put forward in order to expose election fraud. And none of them have been successful. Like I, I would try to explain it in an educational way. Um, if I were talking about it on here, it'd come out a lot differently, but um, yeah, I mean that, that would be a, an interesting question to field if a kid actually threw that out to me, but I would just try to do it as, you know, in the middle as possible while maybe giving a little of my two cents, but also just trying to give them the facts from, you know, what's happening. Yeah. And I, I think the, the um, driving um, worry about us discussing that was, and, and fortunately it hasn't happened to you because it puts you in a precarious situation when you, you talk about that stuff and you're trying to be as reasonable as possible. And the parent calls out the principal and says, you know, this, this teacher uh, is telling my kid that Trump's a liar or yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm making up an example here, of course. No, but, but you know, what? I'm sure I'm you, sure you're that exposing yourself. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny you bring that up just because uh, we, we just had progress reports go out the other day for the second quarter for the kids. And one of the parents of one of my students emailed our principal and the principal forwarded the email to us and pretty much said like, Oh, well, since you guys gave my kid a progress report, I figured I'd give you a progress report of your own. And what she wrote about me was said pretty much said, Mr. Cloutier has done a good job dealing with what's going on in this country. And I have a hard time figuring out what side he's on. So like for me, like getting a parent, I was like, you know what, that was the best thing I could have heard because I don't want to sound one way or the other. Cause I, yeah. I told, I've right. told Ty and Jared, like there are several teachers that I've worked with in my building in other buildings that 
don't give a shit about just giving the facts and letting the kids decide. They very much try to influence, maybe not purposely, but they do it. Just that's just because like they, they can't they can't help it. They they can't help themselves exactly. They they're just so amped up about their position and they feel like they have to spread it to the thirteen and fourteen year olds out there. Like so, it does happen quite a bit. But hearing that from a parent, I was like, all right, that because I I do think about that, Uncle Chad. I do think, oh man, like. I say, I, I, and you guys know, I'll just talk and I don't even know what I'm saying. Sometimes I'll just keep rambling on. I don't know. There might be something I say that I don't think is offensive or is deemed offensive to somebody. And I could get that call. I could get that email. I could get called down to the main office and need to, you know, bring in a union rep, you know, to, to, to cover my ass for something I may have said that offended somebody or, you know, went against someone's political beliefs. So I do think about that all the time, especially when this stuff happens, especially with how amped up people are on the left and right, um, you know, based on, you know, with their opinions and all. So it's something right, I like think. What, what, what if you were asked, if someone asked like, oh, is what Trump and the Republicans were doing, was that, you know, by the Constitution? How would you answer that? Like if they were trying to expose election fraud? The, everything they did, so like uh, you know, uh, their process behind trying to bring it to the courts and then, you know, bring it to. They have every right to do to do what they've done, no matter how unsuccessful it's been, no matter how little ground they have to stand on. I would say that they are totally within their constitutional rights to bring this to the courts. Right. It's up to the courts at that point if they even want to, right? You know, hear it or 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 entertain it and. For the most part, they haven't because there's no grounds for it, very or very little grounds for it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I had I, I I've only been teaching this is my sixth year. I haven't, and I'm I'm teaching middle school kids, which usually tend to not be super political. Like if I was in high school, there might be one or two you know, handful of kids that watch the news a little more and would have a little more ammunition if I were to say something to come back with a you know a rebuttal of some kind, but. In the six years I've taught, I've never really had an incident where a student like, you know, just blatantly just said, like, I don't agree with what you're saying. And here's my reasoning behind it. And it hasn't happened. I'm sure it will, because, you know, this this stuff isn't going away. And even even when Trump's gone, we're always going to have our, you know, our, our political controversies that are going to bring in race and demographic and and, you know, all sorts of things. So, you know, it's. It, it's something I worry about. I've worried about less at times, but now it's like, I got to, not that I rehearse what I say, but you know, in my back of my mind, it's like, all right, just tell them, tell them what you saw in the news. And, and that's it. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're like, we're learning about, we learn about the constitution for like almost half the year related to the constitution any way you can to back up what you're saying in a way, but then just let throw it out there and let them and ask them how, what do you, how do you feel about this? What's your opinion on this? And I try to stay out of that as much as I possibly can. Well, you know, most of these kids form a lot of their opinions for lots of things in the world, certainly politics, from their parents. Yeah. And you're in a unique position as a history teacher to where you kind of have to breach these subjects. Um, and you'll be breaching this particular subject for years. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the physics teacher isn't talking about this, or he may be, but he should be. The, the algebra teacher isn't going to have this come up in his class. Um, but you will, you, you're going to have this little bit of a mini landmine to, um, to have to negotiate 
for the rest of your career as a history teacher. And I, I, and I agree with that parent that if they say they're not sure where you stand, that's probably the best compliment you can get. Yeah, I was thrilled because like when I saw that and like I saw Mr. Cloutier was talking about this, I was like, oh shit, like I really hope, <laughs> I really hope I didn't say something that, you know, I, I totally forgot about. But I mean, speaking of what you're talking like with these landmines, George Floyd, okay, that happened, May, you know, I think Ty was like, you know, the end of May, early June. And I was talking to one of my, one of my uh, coworkers, one of my friends and said like, and I, I was honest, like, this is going to be tough to tackle because I can't not talk about it, but I have to make sure because it's such a sensitive issue. And, and, and I teach a lot of kids who would fall into minority groups. Like I, 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 it's a very diverse population where I am compared to what it used to be like 10 years ago. I mean, I'm in Western Cranston, but it's, it's a lot different than it, than it was 10 years ago in terms of the types of kids that are there. So obviously there's a lot of support behind, you know, the, the protests and the rise from this summer. Not, not that I'm not saying I, I'm not saying I don't support, certain parts of it, but I, I do, I do have to try to toe that line, especially when there, when that incident came up, I did my absolute best to just say like, you know, here's a little bit of how I feel, but here's what other people are saying. And I definitely was a little nervous at times when kids would ask me certain questions about like, you know, why, what, why did, why was, uh, you know, what, why was George Floyd treated this way compared to a white person? Like I get those questions all the time. Like, like the whole, the whole color skin color thing comes up. How would you navigate the, the, the most recent example we talked about yesterday, our last episode? Um, with, with the capital, I mean, I, I navigated it as, you know, what, what, what these people did was not, and I, I, I remember saying this, like, and, just and in I the context to, of race, if someone asked why, oh, race, why, okay. why does it look so different? Why do you know are these people getting treated differently because they're white versus the Black Lives Matter protests? How do you respond to that? I had that exact question, Ty, and um, you know, I, a, a specific, a particular student said, you know, why, why are these people being treated differently than the people, like in the BLM movement? And I didn't really answer it um, with a ton of rhetoric I, I didn't really like go into too much detail and I, I i didn't i did say at times like you know i i can't really answer that and i, I do tell them like look i don't want to you know give you guys everything that i'm thinking because it wouldn't be appropriate for me in certain situations but um i i did say that i can understand why people of color look at this situation and feel the way that they do. And, and that's kind of how I left it because, you know, with some of these kids, they, they, the kids these days do tend, to, do tend to feel a little more entitled than I think I remember kids when we were that age being, and they have a lot less restraint Fuck when it you, comes Mr. to, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hasn't happened yet, but it probably will happen. I'm sure at some point. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough. Like that, that is a very, like, that is the kind of question that I answered that I wonder like, Holy shit. Like, am I going to get an email from some parent? Like, like you were saying, go chat, you know, about, you know, Mr. Cloutier doesn't support BLM or like, you know, how are they going to yeah. construe like what I'm saying and put it into their own, you know, and, and put it into their own context and, and how are they interpreting what I'm putting out there? So, yeah, I, I try to say like, you know, I can understand, I, th I think it's a very complicated situation in certain parts, 
but I can understand why people kind of like what Jared and I said, like, I can understand why people of color are looking at this and seeing like, what is going on here? What is different about this compared to other things? So haven't heard any backlash. I just, what, what do you think about that? Cause Jared's got to go to bed. So we're going to let you go here, but <laughs> what, uh, what do you think about that? The second half of that discussion behind people making, you know, the parallel and a lot of people in politics, you know, the next president of the United States making, you know, the, the claim that this wouldn't have happened had it been a different protest. Master Are you talking to me? No, I'm asking Oh, you. I was just saying. <laughs> You're asking Jared, aren't you? No, I'm asking you. Oh, sorry. Um, I, I, you know, it's going to sound an easy answer, but it's the same. I'm going to answer the same way Adam did. It, it appears it was different. And I can see how someone would look at that and say, why is that different? And I don't have an answer for it. I, I don't know if it was different or not. I'm going to be honest with you, because you can easily suggest that um, the logistics of what was going on is what determined how they behaved, how these cops behaved, um, completely outnumbered, all that kind of stuff. Um, but if you're coming from a different perspective, um, you, you might say, I don't think I would have been treated the same way. So I, I don't know how to answer that. Yeah, I think the perspective of somebody who's grown up as an African-American or minority and the experiences they've probably had with enforcement and police and the stories they've heard, I think it just subconsciously changes the way they would look at a situation like that compared to the way that we would. But don't you think that makes it that much more important to have the discussion about the the failure and, and actual response and really why that happened and to separate this from something maybe that is actually rooted in racism. I, I, I don't know I how you figure that out. Yeah, I, I, don't think you, I don't think you can separate well, those. Like things I said, do you, do you think it sounds like white su supremacy? The fact that the mayor of the District of Columbia, who's an African American woman, told the Attorney General that she did not want additional support on that day. Is that, that sort of my mind. And that, is that some sort of like wide ranging conspiracy, some broader conspiracy or. Cause I saw it in an article know. on CNN and I haven't seen it anywhere else. So yeah, again, that's, that's kind of my thing is like the, the easy answer, true, the easy answer <laughs> is, um, you know, yes, it's, you know, because of white supremacy, but if we just say yes to everything, it's like, then what is it? What are we actually talking about? I think if we dissect situation by situation, we can come to a, uh, a conclusion. That conclusion may be that, yeah, like maybe part of these decisions were influenced by racism. But to say that without knowing, I think, is incredibly dangerous and not fair. Right. Like, you're basically calling all those Capitol Police officers racist. Yeah, it's a knee jerk reaction. It's easy. It is easy. And I think because of the climate that's been created and I, I'm, I say in the last, you know, four to six years, but obviously there, there's always been this climate, you know, there's this racial racial tension. It just doesn't always rear its ugly head as much as it has in the last year or so. But I mean, that's a, that's a tough conversation. I mean, that's a tough conversation to have. I mean, I, it's one thing it's, if it's with people, you know, but I, again, I, I can understand why people, I don't think it's right that they're jumping to, to the race card and then not having any discussion. 
And I, I think like like Jared and I said last episode, like we're not saying that it was it was char- it was racially charged um, that that reaction from or the lack of reaction from security and the National Guard, all this stuff. Like Trump saying he immediately called the National Guard, totally bullshit. It's not what happened. Like like we're not saying that mistakes were made. I just I understand why people have that perspective. I don't I don't agree that it was purely that. And obviously, it's a lot easier, like we said, to just jump to conclusions one way or the other, one way or the other, to support one side or the other. And uh, it's a, it's a well, tough, it really is. Conversations that uh, will go on, and uh, somewhere in the middle. Absolutely. Um, good, good episode. Appreciate you joining, Pop. Yeah. Um, best guest yet. Good. Thanks, Uncle Chet. I enjoyed it. Yep. Thanks, guys. Yeah. So, uh, Adam, why don't you uh, sign us off? I love you guys. Thank you.